Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Read More podcast. I'm Emily Caroline Moore, and once again, I find myself alone on the podcast without any aid from my lovely co-host, my mom. But that's okay, because I am back with another book review for you guys. So today we are going to be talking about The Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter, which happened to be my first fantasy read of 2021. And just for the record, yes, I read this in 2021, I know, but it was first published in 2017. I know that, so don't come at me for being a little bit behind the times. I just happen to read things when I want to read them and when I get to them. So I don't want you guys to expect that I'm going to be reading new and contemporary books all the time and review them here on the podcast. No, I'm going to re- I'm going to be reviewing the the books that I get to when I get to them. I'm currently reading a Stephen King book that was published in 1975, so I, I just get to things when I feel like it. Um, but yeah, so I first heard about this book on YouTube where I watched several glowing reviews by some fantasy booktubers and, um, author tubers that I really respect and like, and that made me want to check it out. So now I'm going to review it for you people and you can decide if you want to check it out because that's how book reviews work. Hooray! So just a little bit of backstory about this book. Um, Evan Winter, the author, he actually self-published The Rage of Dragons back in 2017. And then even though he had self-published it, this book basically exploded in popularity and everyone was talking about it online. So Orbit Books re-released it. They they bought it and they re-released it in 2019 and then signed Evan Winter to a four-book deal so that he can complete this series, which is called the Burning Series. So the Rage of Dragons is the first book in the Burning Series. The second book in the series, Fires of Vengeance, came out in November of last year. So if you read the Rage of Dragons and you really like it, there's more. So today we are going to do a short spoiler-free review of this book because I don't want to give too much away. I don't really want to give anything away. I want you guys to be able to decide whether you're going to give it a go and then just enjoy it completely afresh the way that I did. Um, And yes, for the most part, I did enjoy it. Um, There are a couple things that were not my favorite about this book, but we'll get into that in just a second. So really quick, Let's do a spoiler-free synopsis. So The Rage of Dragons follows a young protagonist named Tao, who is a member of the Omehi people, who also like to call themselves the Chosen. Chosen by who or by what, you may ask? Well, by their goddess, Ananthi, and they believe that their favor with Ananthi is what gives them the right to flee their ancestral land of Osante, which is being plagued by some horrible, no good, very bad thing called the Kull. And they go and they settle in a land that is not their own, a land across the sea called Zeta. But guess what? That land is actually totally already inhabited by its indigenous peoples. And the Omehi are like, psh, we're the goddess's chosen people. So they just spend hundreds of years slaughtering the native Zedin. Is this sounding kind of familiar? 
Well, one big difference between how the Omehi people commit genocide and the real events of Earth's history is that the Omehi happen to use magic and dragons to accomplish their goal of peninsular domination. They call these things gifts from the goddess, and these gifts affect women and men differently, which is pretty cool. They give gifted women who literally call themselves the gifted really cool powers and ultimately the ability to call down dragons. And the men who are gifted can basically turn into the Hulk and be super strong and super fast and super badass, and it's awesome. So all of the fighty fights with the Zidane across a couple centuries has created a super duper warlike society with a very strict military caste hierarchy. So literally the entirety of this culture is built around war. And our protagonist, Tao, is a young man who has been born into basically the lowest caste there is in the hierarchy. He has no gifts. He has no social standing. He has no money. He's just a dude. And the only way to become someone, in his case, is to train and become a member of the military. And he doesn't even want to do that. He just wants to stay home and get married to his sweetheart. But after all of those who he loves are brutally murdered, and that's, that is not a spoiler, do not come at me, that is literally on the book jacket. But after the people that he loves are brutally murdered, he decides not only to go after a position in the military, but to also defy social expectations and to try to become the greatest fighter his people have ever seen. Even though in this military caste system, Usually, the people who are in the low, low caste, the low social niches or levels of this society, they're usually smaller and weaker guys. Biologically, they usually have no chance of becoming a great fighter, not like the dudes who are in the really high caste. But he wants to do this all so that he can get sweet, sweet revenge. So the other guys are fighting so that they can slaughter more of the poor indigenous Zeta, but Tao just wants to whack the dudes who killed his loved ones. So this book follows Tao and his sword brothers as they train to fight the Zidane and as Tao trains to duel the real baddies of the book. And of course, we get to learn all about the magic and the dragons and the women who call them. We learn all about the goddess Ananthi and her demonic enemies. We see the political intrigue that's going on behind the scenes as the Omehi and the Zidane battle it out. So that is the entire gist of the book. That's the book right there, pretty much. So let's talk a little bit about what I liked about this fantasy novel. And I will say there were a lot more things that I liked than what I didn't like. So that's, that's really good. Um, first thing is that this book does not take place in a world inspired by medieval Europe. Thank God, uh, not one of the characters in this book is white. Not a single one. The setting, the culture, the names, the characters, everything, they were all inspired by Evan Winter's childhood in Zambia. And all of the battles and the caste system, all of that, they, they might have been inspired by other things in the real world, but the majority of this story is African. It is distinctly Zambian and African. And that is something that's not necessarily new to fantasy itself. I mean, Octavia E. Butler was doing stuff like that 
you know, back in the 70s. But to read an entire book like this, an entire book like this, not just about characters, but an entire structured world that is inspired by African myth and folklore, that's a that's definitely a new experience for me. And it was so refreshing. So many fantasy books are just little Tolkien knockoffs that have, you know, elves and dwarves and white dudes with swords and chainmail who ride horses and shoot bows and f talk like they're from, you know, medieval Europe. And it can get really, really old. I know that you know, Tolkien is the grandfather of fantasy because he happened to write such just a seminal classic that endures to this day. But that does not mean that there is not room in the fantasy genre for worlds that do not look so whitewashed and so European. So to read an entire book that took place in a world inspired by African folklore, had African names, very distinctly black characters, was an absolute delight for me. I loved it. I want to read more books like this and not just more books in this series. I want to see multiple authors of African descent write books using worlds like this that are completely just original and fresh for the genre. I love it. So the second thing that I really loved about The Rage of Dragons is the magic and the religious stuff. So all of the stuff about the goddess Ananthi, how her priests relate to her, how they use the magic of the world that she's created and they draw upon this magic to either call dragons or to, you know, make these fighters out in the field grow to the size of the Hulk and have super speed and super strength. All of that is really original. It's not your average, like, soft magic system where people just wave a wand and say some words and stuff happens. Or you have a wizard who has a staff and you're not quite sure if he's, you know, is he really powerful? Could you kill him if you stabbed him in the eye? Like, no, it's, it's very original, very unique. Really enjoyed reading about it. Um, not going to go too much into that because like in most fantasy books, the magic system is uniquely tied to the story itself. It, it's a unique driver of the plot. So I don't want to go too much into the magic system or the religious stuff because that would definitely give away some spoilers. So we'll move on to the third thing that I really liked about this book, which was the fight scenes. Essentially, The Rage of Dragons is one giant fight scene from f from start to finish. I read the first chapter, which is, is the prologue. It's a fight scene. As you go on through the rest of the book, it's all fight scenes. And it is so much action. For me, that's super enjoyable. A lot of people are going to hate that. But for me, I'm for those of you who don't know, I'm a fighter. I'm a martial artist. I've been involved in combat sports for a really long time. Being able to read a fight scene that does not sound clunky in my mind and that is still super realistic was awesome. And that's actually the defining factor about these fight scenes. None of them seemed unrealistic. A lot of times when you read a fight scene in a book, you find yourself thinking, this dude has never been in a fight. This, this dude has never even like wrestled on the living room floor. And I can tell that 
you've never been in a physical altercation. And then you read other books and you're like, oh yeah, this, this is realistic. And this was one of those books. And I actually looked in the back of The Rage of Dragons where there was an interview with the author, Evan Winter. And he said that he based all of the fight scenes off of his own experience from having trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about 10 years. And that just made me love this even more. I currently train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I was like, oh my gosh, that's absolutely amazing. But yeah, it it's none of that clunky, like, you know, the main character stepped forward and parried. The villain stepped back and laughed. He blocked with his right arm and turned to the left. Like, none of that clunky play-by-play -play fight nonsense that just seems like, oh my gosh, this is, this is choreography. This sounds terrible. No, it actually goes more into the emotional side of the fight. What our main character, Tao, is feeling, how exhausted he is, the panic, the fear, sometimes the control that he feels when he's fighting. Uh, and that made it feel so much more real. I really enjoyed that. So the fourth thing that I really loved about this book is kind of, it's kind of a trope. Um, that I've talked about before in the past, but it's a trope that I really enjoy. I enjoy it every single time that I read it in any book. And it's that trope of from nobody to somebody. So from incompetence to hyper competence. A lot of times in books you have characters, and, and the one that always comes to mind is Sherlock Holmes. Those characters are hyper competent and they have been hyper competent for the entirety of their story arc. It's not like we see Sherlock Holmes starting out when he's a 15 year old student and he doesn't know how to use empiricism yet. He doesn't know how to deduce things that will help him to solve a crime. No, we start with Sherlock Holmes when he's already established and he's already hyper competent. That is really satisfying for some readers. I understand that. And I, I do like that too, but what really jazzes me up is seeing the journey from the young, incompetent, know-nothing nobody to someone who is hyper-competent, hyper-skilled, and just can blow everyone out of the water. So, I mean, as you can imagine, my favorite part of like the Rocky movies, it's the training montage. It's when he is learning how to become the boxer, the fighter. And so much of this book shows Tao becoming that low caste, nobody person and journeying from that to this hyper competent, hyper skilled, almost godlike fighter that's just, it's so satisfying to me. That might be a little bit of a spoiler. I'm sorry. Like, obviously, if you're going to have a book where somebody is, you know, learning to fight the whole time, you would hope that they would improve. So I hope that's not too much of a spoiler. Um, but just, just that part of it was really, really satisfying to me. And it didn't feel rushed. It didn't feel like, you know, oh, one day, Tao is like really bad at fighting. And then the next day after someone said good words of encouragement to him, he was really, really good. No, it takes literally the entire book. And I, I just love that. The fifth and final thing that I just really enjoyed about this, just purely from a character and plot standpoint, and maybe a little bit, you know, of the setting, is that the female characters in this book are 
badass. Now, it does follow Tao, who is a male protagonist, but this entire society, the Omehi, it is a matriarchal society. They have a queen, their deity is female, all of the most powerful wielders of magic and power in their world are all female, and even the person that Tao falls in love with is just a hyper-powerful, badass woman. So reading about that while still being able to get all the fighty fight and the, you know, the kind of male-driven boys club stuff, I really enjoyed that. And being able to see the respect for powerful women, the reverence for powerful women through the eyes of a male character, I think that that's something that's really needed in fiction, particularly fantasy fiction, which up until very recently was a predominantly male-read genre. I know a lot more women are getting into fantasy now, but I think it's important for young men to read a book where a male protagonist is literally in awe of women and does everything that he can to revere, respect, protect, and advance women. So that was really cool. Props to Evan Winter for writing that. Um, I'd love to learn more about how that's connected to Zambian culture, if it is, because I think that's absolutely phenomenal. Okay, so those were the five things that I liked the most about The Rage of Dragons. Now we are going to get into three things, really two things. The third thing is just nitpicky and dumb, but <laughs> we're going to get into three things that I didn't really like about the book. Um... The first is the thing that I, I liked the least and that actually in the very, very beginning almost caused me to put the, the book down and to DNF it. I'm so glad that I finished it and I, I stuck with it because it turned out to be really, really enjoyable. But right at the very beginning, especially, the writing seemed a little underdeveloped. Not necessarily the plotting or the characters or the world, but the actual prose itself. It seemed very, very simplistic to me, to the point where I actually paused during, I think, in between the prologue and the first chapter, I paused, picked up my phone, and googled whether or not the Rage of Dragons was young adult fantasy, because I was like, is this, this seems really simple and like underdeveloped, very very simple writing. Now, granted, I know I started reading The Rage of Dragons right after I had read the entirety of the Farseer trilogy by Robin Hobb, and Robin Hobb's prose is very advanced. It is very lyrical and well done. So to go from reading somebody who is such a prose master like Robin Hobb and to go to reading the debut novel of an author who maybe will need a little bit more time to develop their prose, that took some getting used to. And then also, too, it's just a difference in writing style. Like, comparing one author's very lyrical, long-style prose to another author's very brunt, not brunt, blunt uh writing style is a lot like comparing, you know, you wouldn't say Jane Austen 
is a good writer, but Ernest Hemingway is a bad writer just because Jane Austen uses more complex sentences. No, Ernest Hemingway's short, simple, not very complicated sentences serve his writing, and I think that that was what was happening here. But still, throughout the book, there were several times that I read a sentence and I was like, I would not have written it that way. That That is really clunky. That seems just so simplistic and it distracted me from the plot. And like I had said before, this is a very high action, quick, fast plot. And so to be taken out of the action by a clunky, what I would consider poorly written sentence was distracting. And I did not like that. The second thing that I didn't like about the book is for some reason, I don't know why, Evan Winter decided at least two times, there's two particular times that I remember, to switch the point of view. So 99.9% .9 of the Rage of Dragons is from the point of view of Tao, who is our protagonist. But then two chapters out of the book, he tells the story from a different point of view, someone who is observing Tao. And I hate this. I hate this in writing. Um, this might be a personal preference. There might be some people who are like, oh no, that's really cool. I'd love to see Tao from the point of view of someone that he's, you know, fighting or someone that is looking at him. But no, I, I do not like that. Especially when it's just two chapters. Like, if you had written three chapters from Tao's point of view, and then one chapter from someone else, and then another three chapters from Tao's point of view, and then another chapter from someone else. If you had done that throughout the book, that would have been more consistent, and I probably would have enjoyed that more because that, that POV switching would have been a theme for the book that you would have kept consistent throughout. But when you just have two chapters, from someone else's point of view, it is extremely inconsistent for me and it confuses your reader, in my, in my humble opinion. Um, another example of this in another series that I absolutely hate is in Twilight, when Stephanie Meyer spends the first 3.5 books telling the story from the point of view of Bella, and then for some reason, unbeknownst to me, in Breaking Dawn, she decides to tell, what is it, maybe like four chapters, I don't even remember, from the point of view of Jacob. Why? Why would you do that? You have completely just ransacked your own story, in my humble opinion. I absolutely hate that. I really wish that Evan Winter had not done that. But then again, that's my personal preference. There might be someone out there who's like, oh no, I love switching point of view. I think that's really unique and gives more nuance to the character and, and tells us more about them. If that's you, awesome. You might enjoy this. I, for one, did not like it in The Rage of Dragons. Now, the final thing, and I said this is kind of nitpicky and dumb, but still, the final thing that I did not like about this book, this is so silly, but I'm here for it, the title of the book is The Rage of Dragons. And at least in this first book in the Burning series, dragons are like kind of an afterthought. They do play a big role, but we don't see a lot of them. We don't interact with a lot of them. They're kind of this big 
enigmatic, ethereal presence throughout the book that that we don't really get to interact with or see. And Dag Burnett, I pick up a book called The Rage of Dragons. I want dragons. I want lots of them. I want them on every page, like tons of dragons. I was really excited to read this book about dragons. And there are dragons in it, definitely. But not as many as I wanted. And that is something that I didn't like. And I know that that is silly and a dumb, dumb, nitpicky thing to say, but that is totally how I felt. I, I ended the book and said, oh, that was super enjoyable. Wish it had more dragons, though. So hopefully, fingers crossed, in this next book in the Burning series, there will be more dragons and I will be satisfied. So that was the final thing, nitpicky, I know, that I didn't like about the Rage of Dragons. If you're gonna put dragons in the title, like, give me, give me more dragons, man. I want dragons. So, all that to say, should you pick up The Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter? So I'm gonna say, give this book a try. If you love action-packed war stories with tons, and I mean tons, every single chapter, guys, tons of fight scenes. If you like fighty fights, this is the book for you. You will not be disappointed. Also give this book a try if you love seeing a main character go from nobody to somebody. So if you like that competence and growth uh, trope in literature, you're gonna like that. You're gonna like seeing Tao grow as a fighter um, and as a person throughout the book. Also, give this book a try if you would like to see an awesome world inspired by something other than European folklore or Arthurian myth. This book is perfect for that. If your whole life you've been reading fantasy and you're like, man, I'm really sick of like swords and sorcery and wizards and, um, you know, white people on horses, then this is a great book to try. It'll be a wonderful departure and something refreshing uh, when juxtaposed with something that you've been reading forever. Literally for, I've been reading about white people on horses with swords and bows and arrows and elves and dwarves for my whole life. And this was a wonderful and refreshing departure from that. And then also, give this book a try if you're looking for easy fantasy that's just highly enjoyable and action-packed. This was not a hard read. Uh, I think it took me... It is long and heavy. I did... And you're going to hear me rustling the pages. I did drop it on my face once, which really hurt because it is... It's a big book, at least the, the copy that I got. It's only 523 pages which I think I read that in about four days. Not that, not that bad. If you're looking for easy fantasy that's really enjoyable and just action-packed, fast-paced, you're gonna like this book. So maybe skip it. Maybe don't pick up this book. If you're the type of person that whenever you reach a fight scene in a book, you just skim it. If you are not, you know, following the fight scene lines with your finger, with a pounding heart and wide eyes, you're probably going to be bored in this book. You're probably going to skim a whole lot of it because, like I said, every chapter is a fight scene. Um, if you're not interested in a book about war and battle and the military, and when I say military, I don't mean, like, you know, the American military or, or contemporary modern military. I mean kind of like ancient militaries with sword and shield and axe and things like that. If that's not really your jam, you might not like this book. Um, and then of course, like me, if you are 
looking for a book about dragons, about human interaction with dragons, about humans raising or riding dragons, or if you're looking for a book that is from the point of view of a dragon itself, this is not the book for you. It's not going to scratch that dragon itch. So if you're like me and you're like, I wanted more dragons, then you're going to be, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Um, but who knows, you might get through this book and then the, the second book could be lots more dragons. So I'll have to update it and let you guys know if there are more dragons in the second book. And then finally, maybe skip this book if you are looking for a super challenging fantasy read. If you are one of those people who has been reading challenging books since you were like five years old or out of the womb and you get really bored with kind of simplistic prose or things that don't have tons and tons of nuance or if you're really into more of like complex languages and world building and, and scientific magic systems you might not like this book it's it's not super challenging it's easy it's high fast-paced it's not like a Tolkien or um you know a George R.R. R. Martin so just keep that in mind. If that sounds like you, this might be the book to skip. So thank you so much for listening to the end. If you made it this far, that is my review of The Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter. Uh, there were several people who, when I, I gave my review of the Farseer trilogy, they wanted a ranking at the end out of 10. So one being like, I did not like this book, and 10 being like, oh my gosh, this is the best book I've ever read. And I am going to give The Rage of Dragons a solid 6 out of 10. It was highly enjoyable. I, I really liked it. I'm definitely going to read the next books in the series. I am excited to see... Um, how Evan Winter uh, evolves and grows as an author. I think he has wonderful potential, especially when it comes to his storytelling and his plotting. I, I really can't wait to see more from him, not only in this series, but hopefully in other series. So yeah, solid six out of 10, really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm looking forward to reading the next books in the series. So that'll be it for the podcast today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will be back next week with both me and my mom for another episode of the Read More Podcast. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good one.